Hey fellow romance readers, I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and this is Post Book Depression. You know that feeling you get when you finish a good book that you didn't want to end? Have you finished a book and just weren't ready to move on from the story and its beloved characters? You find yourself needing just a little more? Well, this multi-trope romance podcast gives you the opportunity to dig deeper with us into books we love as we discuss all the reasons we can't move on. Feeling chatty? You can continue the conversation with us on Instagram at Post Book Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Post Book Depression discussion group. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and take a brief moment to leave a review. Are you ready? Let's discuss. Hi everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and today we're going to be discussing Ever the Same by Stephanie Blake. The first few minutes we're going to do a brief review of the story without any spoilers, then we're going to shift into a deeper discussion portion which is going to include lots of spoilers, but don't worry, we're going to let you know before we do shift into that deeper book discussion. That's right, so before we do, Amy, you have a brief description of what Ever the Same is all about. This is a second chance childhood friends to lovers story. So when tragedy brings a chance meeting at a young age, a boy and a girl become fast friends and this is the story of their journey to find their way back to each other over time. Sarah, what did you think about Ever the Same? I love this story because I love a friends to lovers trope. It just always, it's just one of my favorites. Mine too. And so this story was a little bit hard to read. These characters go through some things that was kind of torturous for me to read (laughs) if I'm being honest because you don't really know which direction it's going to go, you know, there for a little bit. But I loved it so much. It was just a really good story. And yeah, I, I what did you think of it? I loved it too. It's very engaging to me. Mm-hmm. I also love the childhood friends to lovers. That trope is one of my favorites. It always stands out to me. I always feel like they develop this rich backstory mm-hmm. that really lends to the story and growth overall. So I really enjoyed it. All right, let's dig into our ratings. Angst. Angst. This was a three for me. Okay. It wasn't overly, like, it was torturous, guys, but not like, (laughs) how do I say it? It was torture, but it was not agony. It was manageable. (laughs) It was not agony. (laughs) It was not agony. Um, No, it was, there was just, there were some components in it that kind of up the angst. The characters make some choices, Mm -hmm. causes Sarah to get a little stressed. (laughs) So I gave it a three. I did two out of five. I felt like... Overall, it was manageable, like you said. There are some scenes which we're going to dig into in the deeper portion that really kind of bumped it up Mm -hmm. a little bit for me. But overall, I thought it was two. All right, humor. Uh, Humor. This was like a 2.75. I kind of felt like that was a little high. That feels high to me. I did one and a half. Okay. There's a character in there that's pretty funny to me. That's true. And so they kind of lend a lot of when there's like some intense moments or scenes, they bring the humor and if you can make me laugh, it just, I'm, I, I'm a sucker for just laughter and I, I love being around people who make me laugh. And so I gave it, I felt like it was a little high when I did it, but it was then pretty high. But I laughed. I did laugh continuously. I didn't continuously. I did. It was kind of sprinkled throughout for me. Like I said, there's characters that lend mm. to the humor parts, but overall the drama definitely takes precedence in this one. I feel like. Yeah. All right. Spiciness. Uh, spiciness. I gave this a 3.75. Okay. You're shocked. Yes. Explain. Okay. Because one, there's some serious tension and two, there's some like super descriptive scenes. There are some descriptive scenes. Not the spiciest we've ever read. I did two and a half. It's, listen, don't (laughs) misunderstand me. This is not the spiciest Mama Sarah has ever read. (laughs) But there's like two chapters where it's just continuation of like back to back. When you start doing back to back of like. (laughs) Okay. That's fair. Moving on. 
I gave it a 3.75, folks. Is my face pink? Let's move on. <laughs> Tears. <laughs> right now. They're coming. Okay. You're going to be like, I gave it a four. Oh, oh my, what? <laughs> How could you not? Given, like, what these characters go through and it's the... sad. To be clear, I gave it one and a half. I probably could bump it up to 1.75. It's sad. I didn't cry. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Heart of stone. We're going to come back, folks. I'm going to get her into some therapy sessions. What do you mean you didn't cry? I didn't cry. <laughs> we're going to we're going to talk about this more in the deeper discussion. Overall. Over overall. Strap yourself in, Amy. Okay. I gave it a 4.5. Okay, I did 4.25. I love this story. I love this story. It is sad, folks. And it does have spice. (laughs) And it does have humor. This was a fast and easy read for me. It was very engaging. The characters are very well likable. And this was well developed. I really enjoyed this one. I really enjoyed it, too. My ratings are more accurate. (laughs) Maybe so. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's all in fun. Okay. All right. Well, that concludes the spoiler-free quick review of this story. We're going to shift into the deeper discussion portion. If you haven't read this story, stop what you're doing, go check it out, and then come back and listen to our full deeper discussion. We'd love to know your thoughts on this story. You can find us on social media, on Instagram at postbookdepressionpodcast on Facebook in our Postbook Depression Discussion Group, and you can always email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. What a great story, Sarah. Let's dig in. Let's kick it off with Callan and Colby's first meeting at the hospital. They're young. Yeah. Seven, I think. Six and seven. Six and seven. Yeah. And it's so special how they meet. I and know. kind of sad, too. Let's talk about that. It's very sad because... With Callan, he's just stepped away because his brother's in there. We know his brother's sick with cancer, and nobody cares that he's gone. Amy, I was just thinking, you know, my son is seven. There is absolutely no way I would let him roam through a hospital by himself. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was heartbroken for him that he's just sitting in this cafeteria alone, and Colby, she's so sweet because she just had this little sister, James, which I love that they named the boy names and stuff. I know, and her little cute. thought process in her <laughs> mind and her dad taking her down there. I love how she's so young, but she just senses that something is, you know. He needs a friend. He needs a friend. He needs somebody. And when she takes her little bear over there. Oh my there, gosh, Sarah, I love that moment so much. Just so sweet. I try to picture a child doing this for another child because sometimes we don't think of how intuitive they are and that they can sense that somebody is feeling sad or lonely. And this is just, their little meeting is so sweet. And I love how Callan's just like playing his Nintendo, you know, not really <laughs> acknowledging her because my son's super into that right now. So Tucks I'm a like, little animal under yeah. his arm and just keeps playing. Yeah. And I'm thinking that is so like how my son would be. So <laughs> I'm just, I was picturing my son because he's seven. He's super into his Nintendo and he was playing his game. I even stopped and I told my son, I was like, oh my goodness, this kid is playing your Zelda game. <laughs> so it just, their meeting was so sweet. And yeah, I just, but I did not anticipate that anything would really come from that relationship because they're so young it was such a tender meeting and they're so young and it immediately jumps into their letters back and forth were you a little confused yeah 
By the, I was yeah. two. I was like, how did you how become does, pen pals? <laughs> at six and seven, what is happening? How are yeah. you writing such lengthy letters? I, I know. I don't remember being able to write that many sentences when I was six. Maybe yeah. when I was seven for sure, but Well, still. I'm just trying to think of that you would be able to understand what they're saying because yeah. my son writes stories, but his spelling is still, you know, it needs work. Sure. And so I was thinking, um, I don't know about that, but I think it's more as, as they've gotten older. Yeah. So weren't does, they like 10 or something? Yeah, it does yeah, shift yeah. into, let's talk about their little pen pal okay. childhood friendship. Because that's kind of how the story shifts after their little meet cute there in the hospital. Um, I love, first of all, that they write these letters back and forth to mm-hmm. one another. We've talked before on this podcast about how you and I are big fans of actual letter writing. I had pen, many pen pals growing up. It was one of my favorite things. I know that I'm dating myself, but email and things like that weren't quite as prevalent. So we love the little pen pal back and forth letter. We're huge fans of that. And I really enjoyed reading through those letters as they were growing mm. older and just the back and forth things that they would choose to talk about. Yeah, I did too. What did you think about their childhood as it was progressing and the letters started to become one-sided? How did that make you feel? I was so sad, but I also kind of recognized that, you know, they live a little bit apart. This obviously isn't a time where they're given a phone where they can just text. They're not on social media. It didn't seem like, Mm -hmm. you know, times were just different when we were kids. So I kind of felt like it was more like similar to how we would have been growing up. You know, you're just busy with life. Yeah. But it made me sad because it's almost like their families had kind of created this bond because we do know that James, Colby's little sister that's born, she is a stem cell donor donor Mm -hmm. to his brother Nolan. And they kind of, the family creates this bond. So I I was kind of taken back by the family, by them growing a little bit distant because I thought that they would have maintained that relationship. However, later on, we do kind of get a little bit of why those families yeah. are no longer we do. spending a lot of time together. And once we got that backstory, it made a little more sense. But in the moment, I just felt so sad for Colby because she felt kind of left behind a little bit. and. Yeah. Marcus was very much, you know, in taking the picture and life. taking over. And and I didn't like how Kellen was treating her whenever the last few scenes that we see right before he kind of fully distances himself before the teen years, he's not very nice to her. I was empathetic towards her because I can recall when I had pen pals, I always felt like I was the one to really just keep it going yeah. until it just fizzled out, essentially. And I could feel her her sadness and her pain and feeling like she was having a one-sided friendship with him and how it was kind of tapering down and feeling like she was losing her friend, especially since they had been friends for so many years. And then when it was finally dying down, just like you said, because life was getting busy Mm -hmm. and he had Marcus and as boys get older, you know, they lose their interest in younger girlfriends and, you know, girl space friends. And so I was feeling empathetic for her and it did make me sad, but uh, it's not unexpected yeah. I think that was a natural progression. Were you a little bit confused at first when she started writing in her diary, but she was writing as though she was writing to him? Yes. I still thought she was continuing letters, and I just, a part of me was like, girl, no, don't do uh, it. Don't send that. Like, he is not <laughs> responding to you. Yeah, until she that actually addresses. <laughs> she addresses the fact yeah. that she's writing in her journal, and then I thought, oh, little Amy, I would do that too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would turn into it. You know, I loved a journal, so yeah. if I was thinking about someone, I would write them uh, in a journal or that would help me kind of work through those feelings. So I feel you, Colby. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about Callan and Nolan. 
and their relationship. I love how much he invests in Callan as he's growing up and he spends time with him teaching him about football and just really trying to pour love and energy into his brother. I love their relationship because I was a little bit nervous. You never know when it comes to a story like this what that sibling relationship is going to be, especially because Callan, when he's younger, when he's in the hospital and he's alone, everything is about Nolan. His Mm -hmm. parents, everything, his whole life revolves around Nolan. And he says, I love my brother. I just wish my whole life didn't revolve around his cancer. Yeah. And I felt like with their relationship, it could very easily be one of those things where Callan would resent Nolan for just everything always being about him. Absolutely. I also kind of felt like Nolan could resent Callan and the the abilities that he has that Nolan doesn't. Nolan was robbed of really the majority of his childhood. I mean, they find out when he's like, what, two or three that he had cancer. Mm-hmm. And when we see Callan's character, he's seven, Nolan's 10. So I love that this author chose to create this incredible bond that these brothers love each other so much. And Nolan is not envious of Callan, but wants to really pour into him. Like he kind of like encourages and stirs that fire of and passion of football within his brother. And, Which I and love. I do too, because he just strives for him to be the best. And and they just got along and they're always kind of communicating. And Which to play on that, that does kind of build a foundation for the pressure that he feels. It does. With Nolan as things progress through the story. But I do love Nolan for investing that I time do. and energy in him. Yeah, and I agree with that. I do feel like that was more of like, Callan, even though he enjoyed the sport, he kind of took on a pressure that Nolan would not have wanted. But Same. we can yeah, kind of dig into that more later. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned how Nolan's cancer kind of dominates their family dynamic, especially early on. Let's spend some time talking about Callan's relationship with his parents, because this definitely plays a huge role in his upbringing and mm-hmm. the way he feels about himself and just his self-esteem. Let's talk talk about that. I was so heartbroken for him when, one, you know, initially we've said he was alone at the hospital. There's not a lot of focus on him. I understand that you have, I don't understand, but I, I, I understand that there's a child of yours that is undergoing these treatments and you need your focus to be there. I am so heartbroken for Callan throughout because his parents at times, they make comments about things being his fault or you shouldn't have let this happen or they kind of blame him for certain things and immediately I kept thinking can I can we just jump ahead just a smidge yeah, for a second okay did you at ever at one point because I thought very early on when we saw the treatment of his parents uh, how they were towards Callan and I did the math of when they found out Nolan's cancer and when Callan was born and I thought to myself for a split second was he born to be a stem cell stem cell donor? Did I did you, not pick up on that, no. You didn't? No. I thought it for a split second. I'm like, this kid was born to be a donor, and he wasn't a match. That's has to be why they treat him the way that they do. Yeah, I did it not has pick to up be. on that. See, I, for a very small second, thought that, and then I thought, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Who would do that? Who would do that? Who would be... Desperate but, parents? Oh, yeah, but then... Amy, to have another child and not dote on them and love them. I kept thinking to myself the whole time, if I had a child with cancer, I would be smothering my other healthy child with so much love. 
probably because I would be so afraid of losing them too. Mm. Like that's just, but that's the way my mind operates. And this is one of these things where I, I think you and I have had incredible conversations about grief mm-hmm. and how everybody copes with grief differently. And I do feel like this is a circumstance where a parent could either one, totally smother one child with love because they are so afraid yeah. of anything happening to them. Or they could kind of take the approach that Callan's parents did where they almost distance themselves yeah. and build up a wall. Because they're afraid of losing both. Because they can't experience any more pain. Yeah. And n- neither one of those are the right way to handle it. <laughs> and you can't say how you would be unless you're in that situation. And That's true. God forbid. Anyway, it just, it was very hard to read how they were with him. I just couldn't, I couldn't understand it. It was extremely heartbreaking, especially in the later parts of the book where we're really kind of getting a huge grasp on his relationship with his parents Mm -hmm. and especially that very difficult conversation that he has with his mother and he's feeling like very unloved Mm -hmm. and unwanted. Unwanted. I mean, can you imagine the heaviness and the burden that he's had to carry his whole life just living under the shadow of his brother and the weight that that brings? I I can't. And I was just so heartbroken for him. I wanted to hug him. I just can't imagine a child feeling those kinds of emotions. Mm -hmm. I just can't. I can't imagine a child having two parents and feeling so unloved and unwanted and then seeing their brother, you know, just Being receiving completely all opposite. the love. Yeah. And that's another thing that you could really say could have been a strain between Nolan and Kellen, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. I find it interesting that Nolan actually addresses that mm-hmm. to him and recognizes the fact that his parents treated Callan so poorly right. and addresses that with him. That to me, I felt like I had so much respect for Nolan. I did too. And I was very thankful that he did because it was kind of one of those things of, I see you. Yeah. And they are wrong Mm -hmm. in what they did. And it just, it just was one of those things that you just couldn't have asked for a better brother for him. And then that adds to the heartbreak of losing him. Yeah. So speaking of Nolan's cancer and just kind of that dynamic between them, let's shift over into the scene where Nolan actually passes away and Callan comes home to that. It's been a few weeks and we'll come back and talk about Callan and Colby and, you know, their Their history. Yeah, their history. But that scene where he walks in, first of all, I was extremely confused when he said there was so much blood everywhere because for a second, I thought, did he take his own life? I did too. I I thought his cancer was back and he just took his own life because he didn't want to go through treatment. That's exactly what I thought. So that was my thought process. So while it was very... A heartbreaking scene. I was conflicted in my emotions because half of me was like, what is happening? Like, I'm trying to figure out and process the scene and why his parents are there and and what's happening. Obviously, his parents have found him and I didn't really even, I don't even think I knew at this point if he was 100% dead. Uh I think I was just really confused in this moment and Mm -hmm. what was happening and, and trying to figure out what was happening. So even though it was sad, I was more confused. I was so confused by his mom saying you didn't get the black towels. Exactly. And I was thinking, what? Who knew ahead of time that this was going to happen, <laughs> that you need black towels? I was very, just, what is going on? And then the reaction, like when Callan is standing there and nobody's even acknowledging him. Mm-hmm. It was just devastating. And then his dad's reaction to him and 
just I understood why he left the room and when he goes into the shower Amy and he's just covered it was just so and nobody told him okay that I want to spend just a brief moment talking about that so when my mom was diagnosed with a terminal brain cancer I was so thankful that we knew and we had eight months with her that we could invest time together we could you know make memories even in the time even though we knew it was a Um, a dead end down the road. We knew what we were walking through. I was so appreciative of that time. So to read this where they robbed him of that time with Nolan really, really upset me. It upset me too. And I tried to kind of put myself in their shoes because I always try to understand the motive of why people do the things that they do. And I could not understand it other than that he was 15 until Nolan's letter. Mm -hmm. And when he read his brother's letter... And he said, I just wanted to have a normal life that was not revolved around my cancer and what was going to happen. I understand that. I do too, but his parents still knew. So his parents were still going to treat him differently. And I think that Callum would have respected him enough to not treat him differently if Nolan had just explained that to him. I just, my heart was broken for Callum for losing that time with him right and it definitely lent itself to that bitterness growing in his heart sure. and the resentment and just the hardness of his heart over time well and I also feel like it was kind of a trajectory for the rest of his teen years yeah. up into college the choices he made the way he acted the Absolutely. way he was with Colby mm-hmm. really kind of set the tone for this new persona that he takes on this what he feels he needs to be the pressure he puts on himself and and the way he pushes her away it really set all that up and I it's kind of one of those things that I can't stand when there's lost time especially when there's somebody doesn't have all the facts there's miscommunication it causes a lot of angst for me (laughs) yes and I feel like things would have been way different had he have known. I think so, too. And it also, he he should have been given the chance to say goodbye. Absolutely. You know, it's like you don't know when it's going to happen, but at least it wouldn't have been as startling as Marcus and him coming over the hill and seeing fire trucks and ambulances at your house and knowing something terrible has happened. And then to walk into that scene, at no being completely unprepared. He's 15. Yeah. Can you imagine being 15 and seeing something so horrible that would just change your... Yeah, it changed the rest of your life. Let's move out of the doom and despair yeah. and let's... Let's go into the light. <laughs> let's go into the light and talk about Callan and Colby yeah. and their relationship. Even though there's some push and pull, they've had some good moments yeah. as well, so... It's more of an overcast day. Yeah. Maybe not quite the sunshine. <laughs> more of an overcast. That's true. Let's talk about... We briefly mentioned earlier about how... Callan starts distancing himself from Colby through his letters when Marcus comes into the picture. And I want to talk about their first reunion after three years of him giving her radio silence at Camp Happy Bush. Oh my goodness. Okay, (laughs) this is where the humor for me comes in, is when she's singing the song and then they are like saying all these funny things about the Happy Bush. (laughs) It was the best... Who names their camp? She's like, they just didn't change it. And I'm thinking, you should. Yes, you should. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, that was funny. So when they see each other 
and this reunion and how they just finally reconnect after three years, it just brought the biggest smile to my face. I loved this. I wasn't really sure how she was going to receive him. He stands up. He's so happy, has the biggest smile on his face when he turns around and realizes she's there. And for her, I... I almost, there was a part of me that I did not want her to, like, even talk to him. Because I, I was mean. just so devastated for Colby just being so young and hurt so badly. And, but yeah, it's, it's, I loved his reception. So because he was so, like, receptive of seeing her and genuinely happy, it kind of shifted that, which. It made it feel like he wasn't ignoring her intentionally. Just yeah. Just kind of happened. Yeah. And, and also he's like a, you know, 11 year old boy. Yeah. That probably doesn't want to have a pen pal. So it was more, okay, I, you're forgiven. And then I love that they spend the rest of their week. I love when he kisses her. And it's their first scene. kiss. I their love first... that scene so, so it's much. So it's just it the is best. the sweetest. <laughs> so I was happy with that. And I really thought that that was going to be a shift. Once they went home. I did too. And it was, but in the other direction. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, they were happy for a little bit. And then, you know. Two he weeks. Just, yeah. And then, and then it's radio her. silence. <laughs> and it just kills me. But at least she wasn't unaware of what transpired. Like she knew Nolan died. Mm-hmm. And I, how she received that information to know. I think she was probably more understanding um, as far as like initially why it was happening but I do think after a while she was probably thinking great he's pushing me away again Mm -hmm. and I really struggled with his character in that because I have a hard time with the Mm push-pull in relationships adds to that angst (laughs) oh man does it ever these authors they just like to keep me on my toes their reunion is short-lived obviously because Nolan passes away and they don't have another reunion again until his 18th birthday party. Sarah, this scene. Okay, this is what I was referencing in the quick review about the angst for me. This scene, I I can probably count on two hands the number of scenes and books that I have read where I feel physically ill. You do that way. You get that way all the time. Yeah. Me, it takes a lot. In this scene, I just, my stomach was upset. Uh-huh. I just had that queasiness in yep. it. And I thought, oh, Sarah has this like in every book. I don't know how she deals. <laughs> Why did she read? I will never know. The I way do. he treated her. Sarah, it broke my heart. It, yep. And I cried. Oh. I was physically ill in this story at this scene. When he looks up at her, and then he still leans in and kisses that chick's neck. And then he makes eye contact with her. And don't even get me started on the body shot. Because, <laughs> like, she knows. She knows that, like, these girls are going to come out of this cake. It just was the worst. It was the absolute worst. And what made me so mad is, like, Marcus sees her. And I love how she's kind of cool with Marcus now. Because oh, when they too. were kids, she didn't really like him. I love him. Marcus in the in the I do, too. Timeline. He's so funny. <laughs> And uh, side note, if you guys have read this and you were not aware, he has a book coming out, I believe, in August. I didn't yes, know that. I'm super excited. Okay. If you didn't, we're going to talk after this because okay. I, I, yeah. I was so happy that he, like, kind of comes out and he sees that she's upset. Mm-hmm. And I love that he kind of takes her under his wing and tries yeah. to, you know, take care of her knowing yes. how devastated she is. I know. But then I was thinking, Marcus, dude, don't bring out the cake. Mm-hmm. I mean, he points to her and Kellen just shrugs. Yeah. And Marcus is really just like, 
you know, okay, well, let's just let the half-naked chicks polyvocate. <laughs> what harm can happen? You know, you've already seen this girl, like, losing her mind crying. I mean, she probably wasn't losing her mind, but she was devastated. I was losing my mind. Sorry, I was referencing myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then we quickly learn, because I think the next chapter is from his point of view, that he regrets. Yeah. He regrets the way that... He treated her, but obviously it's too late. And then they don't even get another reunion again until college. Right. And this, whew, this was delicious. I love the scene where Marcus comes into the little cafe where she is, and he's like, oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Because <laughs> he knows what's about to happen. Yeah. I love Marcus so much. I love that he's able to kind of lighten the tone of the story. Me too. He definitely brings the humor, but as soon as she sees Marcus and she knows that he's going to be there, I was so hurting. I was already hurting for her. I thought, don't, don't do it. He has already hurt you Countless three times. times. <laughs> yeah, three times. This is kind of one of those, you know, you hurt me once, shame on you. You hurt me twice, shame on me. It's like, you hurt me three times. Girl, what are you doing? They're like, <laughs> yeah. come on. You know, it's just move on, have some more self-respect. Ultimately, it wouldn't be the kind of story we exactly. would read if, <laughs> if we just gave in. So there, when they reconnect, though, and... He seems like he just wants to have that relationship. I was so proud of Colby because she acknowledges, you've hurt me, you've walked away from me, you have, you know, constantly rejected me. Or not really rejected, but you've, you know what I'm saying. He's never put her first where he's thought to say, hey, I'm not going to write you anymore. Or, you know what I mean? He's ready to just jump into this relationship thing and she's, Pump the brakes, dude. Let's be friends. I was so friends. proud of her as well. I was so proud. I I'm mean, like, you ultimately, go, girl. That's yeah. what you should have done. Well, you kind of sit there and think in real life, here's this, obviously, he's an attractive guy. You want to be with him. And she's thinking, that was the dumbest thing. Why did I <laughs> say that? But she has to have some self-respect. So I was thankful because this is how you would want to behave in real life. Yeah. That she said, no, we need to, we need to build a friendship here. But Amy... I about lost my mind when they have this whole discussion and there is a girl sitting on his lap Mm -hmm. and he says, I didn't notice she was there. Like, come on, dude. Are you kidding me? (laughs) No, bro. (laughs) Nah. It's no. I, at that. That's a no for me. (laughs) It was a no for me. If that had been a real life scenario, I would have, if I was her best friend, I would have said, this is a time where I have to encourage you. You need to leave this relationship alone. Like, yeah, no more. Don't pursue toxic. this. Because yeah. how can you not notice somebody sitting on your leg? I would notice that's part of my body. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway. As they're kind of rebuilding this friendship and moving into a relationship together, he really struggles to open up about his trauma and the truth that he's learned about being conceived to save Noah. Yeah. And because of that, he really struggles in their relationship and that he can't be open and honest with her. One of my biggest frustrations during this time is when they went to the cabin in the mountains and she was expecting a weekend to connect with him and and talk to him and kind of work through these things. And then a whole fraternity shows up for a party and they obviously were on different levels and he spends the night getting drunk and all that. I love that they came back together at the end of that Mm -hmm. weekend and left early so that they could reconnect. And one of the the things that they talk about as they move 
you know, out of that time is his struggles with what has happened in his in his past. And I really appreciated their time talking. Yeah, I was very uh, nervous because when she goes to pack and he walks in and he kind of loses it. It was like, you're leaving me? And then he has his breakdown. My angst was way up because I thought he was going to be like, forget you, you know, and have a little tantrum kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there'd be a major miscommunication. So when she wrote it that, she was like, what are you talking about? I'm not leaving you. I'm just leaving the situation. And then they have that heart to heart. when he, That was very mature of them, by the way. I so like. mature of them. <laughs> I was really glad she wrote it that way. I too. was, I could, I was floored. I did not see him leaving with her mm-hmm. and them having this weekend away where they, they don't really talk about the serious stuff, but they just kind of have that time to themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I did not see it playing out that way at all. And right. when it takes that turn, I was so thankful. I was very proud of him. At the end of that, coming to the realization of, I need to get some help in my head. You know, I need to get away. I need to get my thoughts clear. I kind of need to deal with certain things that he's kind of bottled up. And he was going to take his brother Nolan's letter with him. I was really proud of him too. And I thought it was a very mature decision of him to take time away to go to the desert in the Joshua Tree and kind of use Marcus's experience in the desert to go away, taking Nolan's letter with him. Let's spend just a few minutes talking about that time where he's alone and he's having these dreams of Nolan and he's just kind of having this time to process his thoughts. Oh, that was so unbelievably emotional to read that when he's having these dreams of, I thought he was having a memory and he was dreaming about that. And then you realize that he's just dreaming about Nolan. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're having a conversation. I can't imagine how emotional that would be to lose somebody that you're so close to that you dream of these conversations. You dream that they're literally physically there with you and and you wake up and it feels real. So vivid. Yeah. yeah. I felt like he needed that. And I, I was a little sad that he waited till the very end to read Nolan's letter. Mainly because it was like 10, 11 days or something that he was out there and I was kind of like... Can we speed up the process? (laughs) Because I'm kind of freaking out for Colby. Uh You know, but I knew everything was going to be fine at this point. That he was going to come back and he was going to be okay. I love Nolan's letter. I love just kind of the release that it gives Mm -hmm. to Callan and the burden that he's carried um, all of his life. And I just really, really love that. One thing we haven't talked about is the Parker family and their love for Callan. Mm-hmm. I love their relationship. Sh- so I love their relationship so much. And I love the moment while he's away that Mama Parker tells Colby about the time where she has the confrontation yeah. and the falling out with Callan's mom about noticing their lack of love for him, I mean, more or less, and asking to take him away and spoil him Mm -hmm. on a trip. And she gets upset, probably because she realizes she's (laughs) not doing that for her. She's stepping on her toes. Right. And I love just so much how the Parker family just takes him into their own. I do too. And that's like I was saying is that we get that kind of explanation as why it was so easy for them as children to kind of distance. Because it didn't make sense to me because I was thinking, James was the stem donor you guys mm-hmm. seem like to have this bond. And I kind of was mad when we find that out because James went through the grieving process feeling like she let Nolan down because he passed away. And that's something that we don't even have to dig into. But 
just the fact that that family chose to pull away. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying just if you're a donor for somebody, you owe them all your time. You owe them everything because I believe that if you do something like that, you should be doing that out of the goodness of your own heart, not for what you're going to get in mm-hmm. in return. But I did feel like it was sad because Nolan obviously has this bond. I mean, we had mm-hmm. seen many scenes when James was little that he has this connection with this little girl and stuff. So when we find out why that family pulled away, when her mom tells her what happened, it just kind of made everything click into place of that makes so much more sense of how that was able to happen the way that it did. I also love how her parents are just, they call him son. They're very understanding with him. They give him a lot of grace because he has hurt. I do think Colby makes mention that she didn't tell her parents everything he had done to hurt her, so they didn't quite understand how de- devastated she had felt. But like you said, I just love how loving they are. And also that when he goes away, they're checking in on Colby and making sure she's okay. And they're giving, they're reminding her that he needs to do this. Mm-hmm. He's never taken the time. Also, just side note, this is where a lot of the humor came in for me, Amy, <laughs> when we were talking about our ratings, is because the escape room, the dad, oh, yes. whenever he says, yes, turn off the lights, that way we don't have to see death coming. <laughs> It was just was so, funny. him and Marcus were Mar- so funny. He was like, Marcus. okay, so you want to give me a heart attack for my birthday? He was like, <laughs> I was good for the endless breadsticks. It was just the best scene. That was great. So much, probably like 1.5 of the humor was wrapped up in that scene <laughs> that for scene. me. I laughed so hard. Oh, it was the best. Their family, her parents are just incredible. Rounding out our discussion, I want to talk about the reconciliation with his parents, him asking Colby to go to see them and his confrontation with them. For me, I really loved that he confronted them. He was honest Mm. and open about how he felt like they treated him, how he didn't feel loved, he didn't feel wanted growing up, and basically just laid it all out on the line for them. Their perception of things was quite a bit different. They felt like for a lot of that treatment, they had a different perspective. Obviously, they didn't know he overheard the conversation about the stem cell and him being born and all of that. And they talked about how they were speaking out of grief. They were grieving parents and they shouldn't have said that. I really was proud of them for owning up to the way they treated him and apologizing and trying to restore their relationship. Yeah, I had a hard time with that scene for the parents' side because it was just difficult to read it, to to sit there and I felt like... I think his mom at one point says that's no excuse. And I thought, you're right. That is no excuse. Mm -hmm. That absolutely is no excuse. You can't just say you spoke out of grief. What, you've been grieving since Nolan was two years old and you got that diagnosis. Why have you never bonded with your son? Mm -hmm. That I mean, he's, you know, at that point, 19, 20, and you've never bonded with your son? Yeah. You've essentially for the last, since he was 15, he moved in with Marcus. Yeah. And he's been living for the last five or six years with Marcus. I can't. There was so much that I just have to say, Kellen, I feel like in this scenario, he's a better person than me because I don't know. (laughs) He really is. I mean, you can think what you want. I just don't know if I could have that kind of forgiveness for the way that they acted towards him his entire life. Yeah. You know, that's a, a that's a lot to come back from. And I'm not saying it can't be done again. But I, I just... did appreciate that their relationship was not 
super cheesy. Like, it was still yeah. strained a mm-hmm. bit. Like, they had to work through things. I appreciated the author writing it that right. way. It was very realistic, I felt like. Sure. And so I was glad that they didn't just wrap it up in a tidy bow and be like, all is well, all right. is forgiven, and we're hunky-dory now. Right. Well, I also kind of like, too, when he says they never got divorced, I've never asked about that. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, it's kind of like, because their relationship seems so toxic oh, and yeah. stuff, um, which given what they went through there's probably a lot of stress on a marriage but I don't know Kellen's a better person than me because I was proud of him but I don't know that I would want to receive any reason for why they were the way he they were to him yeah like if it was me I'd be like I've said my piece I don't need to hear what you have to say (laughs) so you know Kellen's a better person Going back to his time at the Joshua Tree, one thing that she writes him a letter and it includes the song Ever the Same because they would, in their letters, they would ask about what song they were singing. Do you, when authors write songs into stories, do you look them up? Absolutely, if I don't know it. I do too. I do too. I have to play it and listen to it and and read the lyrics and then go back to the scene and Uh kind of listen to it. So just with the title of the book, I wanted to make mention of the the song Ever the Same. Let's uh, wrap this up with Callan and Colby's Happily Ever After. I was so thrilled that they were just together and that they, I I love too that they kind of like waited, even though they were, she was like, I know you're my forever, we're good. I agree. And they were just so happy. Their wedding scene was so happy. You know, it's everything they deserved. I agree. I love the way it was wrapped up. I do too. It was a beautiful, beautiful story. That wraps up our discussion of Ever the Same. Thank you for joining us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and want to continue the discussion with us. We'd love to hear from you. What were your favorite parts of this story? Hit us up on Instagram at Postbook Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Postbook Depression Discussion Group. You can also email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep reading.